Welcome to the St. Michael Fall podcast series. My name is Tim Smith, and I will be leading our meditation today. Our theme this fall is building our future. This is a unique time in the history of St. Michael Church. God is calling us to take courageous steps forward. Together, we will build a future where the kingdom of God can be seen and known in new ways. As the psalmist says, send out your light and your truth that they may lead me and bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. A reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not honor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Here ends the reading. I was asked at a previous church to speak to our Stevens ministry team. To prepare, I requested that they collect questions from the team so that my teaching would be very practical to their ministry as caregivers and to their own faith journeys. Almost half the questions revolved around the issue of suffering and why bad things happen to good people. I was leaning towards speaking on that subject, but then I was caught off guard by the last question. Why are church members so mean? I'm a PK a preacher's kid. For those of you who do not know, that means that my dad was a preacher. When I was five years old, my father was asked to take a church that had gone through a split, not something that happened in the Methodist church in those days. When we moved, we discovered that the parsonage had not been kept in good repair nor updated. In fact, it was in such bad condition that most lay people would not live in those conditions. So one of the first tasks was to get the house livable. The cost of the renovation was more than $25,000, which was a hefty sum in 1969, almost $200,000 in today's money. There was one woman in the congregation who had made up her mind that this was a frivolous expense and that it was going to bankrupt the church. She spoke out publicly against the renovation and my father. It was hard enough living in the parsonage in its current condition and then through construction, but now we had to live through personal attacks and outright criticism. A lot needed to change in that church. Once the renovation was complete, my dad decided that it would be good to host most of the meetings at the parsonage, which was catty corner behind the church. That meant that I not only had to learn to be quiet in the evenings, But I also overheard a lot of criticism, conflict, and resistance against my dad and what he needed to do to get the church healthy and move it forward missionally. That impacted me. But the damage was not limited there. 
My brother is 13 years older than me, and sadly, one of those casualties of the criticism and mean-spiritedness in the church often pointed towards my father. He's a believer today, but he wants nothing to do with the church because of what he says, the politics. My wife has also experienced this. She had a woman in one of our churches who actually came up to her and called her Satan. In another church, a person berated her for all the changes that were being made and said that my wife was going to destroy the church. She didn't tell me these things until years later, carrying the burden herself, afraid of the impact that it might have on me. But it can even impact our guests. In my last church, we had a first-time guest who walked into our lobby and started to turn into the sanctuary when they overheard a group of church members criticizing and disparaging the senior pastor. The guest heard this and turned and left. And for all we know, they may have walked away from the church forever. 1 Corinthians 13 is the most popular selections for weddings. But in reality, Paul was writing that letter to the Corinthian church because it was beset with infighting and chaos. This is a corporate letter, not a letter to couples or even to individuals. Paul was calling the church to act as followers of Christ by loving one another in both word and deed. And in case they didn't understand what love was, he goes on to give a vivid picture of Christ-like love. You see, words matter. Our words can either give life or they can tear down and do damage. Proverbs 10:11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked is violent. That word violent always catches me off guard because it's such a strong word. And maybe part of the reason is because I've seen it and experienced the violence of words in criticism, rumors, and false statements. And maybe you have too. And if we're honest, those wounds run deep and they take a long time to heal. We have been recipients of grace and forgiveness that we did not deserve, but which we have been freely offered and abundantly has been poured out time and time again into our lives and over our sins. Because of that, we can then in turn share that same love and grace to others in all that we say and do. Rabbi Edwin Friedman in his book, Generation to Generation, applied systems theory to understand conflict and meanness in the church. He identified three spheres in every person's life, the vocational, the familial, and the spiritual. What he discovered is that when there is stress in a person's vocational or personal life, it often gets expressed in the church or synagogue, most often because they can't express those stresses, pains, and difficulties at work or in home. Dale and John Lynn Fincher in their book, Coffee Shop Conversations, shared their discovery that there are often root causes behind someone's criticism, anger, or harsh actions. They found it helpful that every time someone says something critical or judgmental of another person, to say to themselves, you know, that person's in pain. Because the old saying is true, hurting people hurt people. 
So when someone is critical or judgmental or acts out against another person, rather than judging them, I hope you will offer them grace by saying to yourself, that person's in pain. That person must be wrestling or struggling with something in their life. That will change how often we think of them and how we think of them, how we treat them, and empower you to offer Christ-like love. Because of the grace that has lavishly been poured upon us, we too are meant to be a people of grace, sharing it with others in what we say and how we act toward them. Absolutely nothing will be sufficient to God, the God who gave us his only son to die upon the cross for us. This is what Paul was encouraging the Corinthian church to do, to love each other sacrificially. If we do that, then like the 1970s Christian song said, they will know we are Christians by our love. It's time for us to start living like it. Nothing less will suffice as we seek to live out our faith in community. Jesus created the church because we can't do this thing called life and faith alone. We need each other. I need you to help me to become more like Jesus and to be more faithful and obedient to his will in my life and in our corporate life together. And you need me too. We need each other. That starts with our words and our actions towards one another. Paul put it this way in Ephesians 4.29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You see, that's what it means to be loving. And the benefit is helping each other become more like Jesus Christ. To have our life together be filled with love and grace so that it will be our witness to the world of what life together in Christ is like. Because people will not find it anywhere else in the world. So when we hear someone being critical, judgmental, or mean, may we say to ourselves, that's a person in pain and then offer them the healing grace of love. In the name of Christ. Amen. Please join me as we continue with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that your grace may always precede and follow us, that we may continually be given to good works, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.